Uh, it has been a very full day, and so this is this this is this is not and will not and cannot be a full message. Um, but I I do want us to open up the scripture together, Psalm one hundred. Thursday is obviously Thanksgiving, and I have a few Thanksgiving traditions uh, that are just special and personal to me. Uh, I do three primary things Thanksgiving morning. First, I want the Macy's Day Parade on the television. Uh, I don't obviously sit there and listen to it or watch it the whole time, but I want it in the background while I'm doing my second tradition, which is to make a pumpkin pie. 15 years into marriage with Amanda and 15 years of celebrating Thanksgiving with her family, I realized that they are not pumpkin pie people, and, uh, and, and I am a pumpkin pie person. They are buttermilk cream pie, I'm not saying that right, uh, popcorn pie, but there's, I mean, just, you know, it was the pumpkin the Charlie Brown went out to see, you know, there's got to be a pumpkin pie, and so I just started making one. It's for everybody, uh, but when I get to her parents' house, I hide it, and if somebody stumbles upon it, they're welcome to have a piece. Uh, but it's mostly for me. The, the whole thing of Cool Whip is definitely for me. I often buy two of those. That's what makes pumpkin pie taste great. Otherwise, it's just a vegetable. Uh, <laughs> and the third thing that I enjoy doing is to thumb through the Black Friday ads in a real live ink on your finger newspaper. And so Thursday morning, I'm going to be doing those things. And, uh, and then we'll go and have uh, our annual traditions with Amanda's family. And you have traditions. Here's what's dawned on me this year. It's possible to do all those Thanksgiving traditions with, without actually being thankful. You know, just like it's a, a possible to set aside today as a day of worship and come to worship without actually worshiping. Right? And so I thought since we're all going to take, place, take, uh, take our place in some Thanksgiving traditions this year that we should at least do our best to go into that day actually thankful. And, and there's lots to be said about Thanksgiving in the scripture, but I think Psalm 100, 100 is, is the primary passage. Let's look at it together. Verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There are a handful of things I would love for you to write down, especially right now because we won't have time to do them all justice. But they're built around the verbs in this passage. And the first one is shout for joy. Shout for joy. Verse one, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. You, you may be a very even-keeled person most of the time, but I bet there's one thing that really evokes a beyond-normal response for, from you, that you shout. Maybe it's when Jose Altuve uh, comes up to bat in an intense moment, or uh, there, there's something that evokes a, a, an expression that isn't something that you would usually do. And so shouting to the Lord... Although maybe it doesn't come natural to most of us, it is something that you should do consistently. And it's a shout to the Lord. 
You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6, King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant. If God had an earthly throne, this would have been it. Into the city of Jerusalem. And there's been a big backstory and lots of history. But he comes in leading the parade with God's earthly throne, the Ark of the Covenant behind him. And it says he's dancing and he's singing. Uh, he, he's, he's a little bit um, out of control. And the reason we know this is because his wife was watching him do this and she, was, she, she gave him a hard time about it later on. She's saying, you, uh, you looked foolish out there. And instead of doing what most of us would have done in that situation, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed that I have embarrassed myself. You, you're well acquainted with that feeling. That's why most of us will seek to protect our dignity at all costs. And in situations where we feel like our dignity does not rise to the occasion, meaning maybe there are more impressive people in the room we're getting ready to walk in than we believe that we are naturally, we will even project the dignity that we really don't have. But King David isn't embarrassed that he may have embarrassed himself. He actually says to his wife, you've not seen anything yet. That's my translation. I will become even more undignified than this because that worship was not for his wife. It was not for the people in the parade. It was for God. And this was his natural, beyond normal expression. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. You remember when Jesus is coming triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem on the day that we call Palm Sunday, people have laid their coats out for him to walk across like a red carpet. They've gotten branches, they're waving them, they're singing the historic songs of God's people and some religious leaders are upset with this because they are uh, singing songs like Jesus is the prophesied king from the Old Testament and they don't believe that he is. So they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we know that you're not the one that's coming. You know that you're not the one that's coming. So don't let them sing these songs. And Jesus says, if they stop, the rocks will pick up where they leave off. Isaiah chapter 55 is another great song of God's redemption. Israel has been oppressed because of their own sin. And God has sent them away to be judged and to to be disciplined, to learn their lesson. But there's a song of hope, Isaiah chapter 55. And it says, when that redemption begins to be experienced, the mountains are going to break out in song and the trees of the field are going to clap their hands. So I brought a a little Christmas tree (laughs) for us to see. Here's the question, because we don't have very much time. Here's the question I really want you to uh, consider. Does this tree, it's alive still. Um... Does it have more to thank God for than you do? Because this tree, according to the scripture, it wants to worship God. It can, at God's command, begin to clap its hands. Romans chapter 8 says, this creation wants to be free from the effects of sin. Now this, this tree has never sinned before. But you have and I have and the sin of history has shackled it. And Romans 8 says, when Jesus returns, those shackles are going to be broken and all of creation, it it wants to be free from that. And so it's groaning. You remember in the New Testament when it says that angels wish that they could look in on our salvation? Meaning that they're the angels of God and so they are with God, but they are jealous of our experience with God through Christ, by the power of the Spirit. If this tree 
could take on your attributes as a human, would it outpraise you? I mean, if it really could sing today, if it could begin to clap its hands, if we could hear its groan for the redemption of God, how much louder would it sing than you? Uh, your situation may be very challenging right now, but I will tell you one thing that you have that this tree does not have. Uh, Jesus did not die for this tree. The Son of God did not think that this tree was so valuable that He laid down His life for it. This tree should not give more worship to God than people who Jesus has died for. Second thing that I want you to write down, worship the Lord with gladness. Gladness means an uplifted spirit. Number three, come before him with joyful songs. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Music matters to God. That's why in the throne room, pictures in Revelation, they are singing to God. There is something about a melody that evokes worship out of you according to the sovereign plan and will of God that nothing else will. And when we come before God, we come with a glad and worshipful, joyful Song. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says that when we gather together as Jesus followers, we should sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which we've just done. But it doesn't just say we should sing them, it says that we should admonish one another. It means we should build one another up. We should help one another by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so that's why you got to participate in worship, even if you're not a quote unquote musical person. Even if you really don't want anyone to hear you sing because you, in your opinion, do not sing well, we need to hear your voice because your voice is not a performance. According to Colossians 3.16, your voice is a sermon that somebody across the room needs to hear. We admonish one another. We build one another up. We encourage one another through the singing of the songs. So it may be in my opinion, the louder that it is in here with our voices, the more likely we are to live this out tomorrow. Because we leave built up and encouraged. Listen, the singers are already singing on Sunday morning. They're, you, you know who they are on your row right now. They're like, yeah, they're good. You know. uh, the, the singers are going to sing, all of us non-singers, we're the ones who got to start adding in our contribution to the admonishment of God's people. And so next week when we do this, um, I'd encourage you to sing louder. Not because you're so great. You're not, honestly. I'll be the one to tell you you're not. <laughs> uh, but I need that sermon from your worshipful heart Somebody on your row needs it too. We admonish one another. We come 
before God with a joyful song. Number four, know that the Lord is God. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. Now notice if you're looking at the passage with me, Lord and God here are not synonymous. Now in our church culture, they are. Worship the Lord, worship God, praise the Lord, praise God, follow the Lord, follow God. They're synonyms, you can just use them. Uh, If you grew up in church, I I bet it never dawned on you at one point in your young uh, life to ask your parents what God's name is. God's name is God. And his nickname is the Lord. But here, they're not synonyms. Because in your Bible, if you look at it with me or on your phone, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And and that's a stand-in, and there's rich history, but we just don't have time today, for God's personal name, which comes from the burning bush, when God says to Moses, go down and deliver my children of Israel from the the slaveholders in Israel in Egypt. And Moses asked this weird question to God, if I go down there, they're going to want to know what your name is. And he doesn't say, my name is God, go tell him. Because in Egypt, it was a polytheistic culture. Well, which God? And so he gives Abraham, or gives uh, Moses a name, excuse me, I am that I am. And long story short, rich history short, the Lord is a stand-in for God's personal name here. You may know it as Jehovah or Yahweh. Yahweh, Jehovah is God. That's why a few pages earlier in Psalm 95, it says that the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, is God of gods, King of gods. Know that He is God. And then it describes Him. It is He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture, You may be headed into Thanksgiving feeling a little bit more down than ideally you would be. But this, these right here are three things that should make you feel better. God made you. You are his. When my grandfather retired, he took up woodworking as his hobby. And so a couple of times a year, I would go to a craft show with him. Anybody been to a craft show before? No. Yeah, some some of us older people. But, you know, only here at Bayou City could I be included in that, uh, I think, you know. Uh, I would go to these craft shows with him and he would rent a booth and he would sell his crafts. But their home was also filled with the things that he had done. Because there are some things that you make and you give away. And there are some things that you make and you take personal possession of. And the psalmist is saying, when God made you, he didn't just send you off into the world. Good luck, everybody. And I am way, 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 way up here if you need me. No, we are his. He made us. He kept us. He kept you. And then he shepherds you. We are the sheep of his pasture. And finally, the last thing I want you to write down, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues 
through all generations. The gates and courts that the psalmist is talking about are the gates and courts of the temple complex. And when they would come to the temple, they would come singing songs, worshiping God, and they would come with thanksgiving. The New Testament goes on to tell us that, of course, God cannot be contained in a building built by human hands. And so he has made his house the people of God. And when we come together, we are the house of the living God. The Apostle Peter, in his first letter, chapter 2, says that you, as a part of God's house, are an important stone. Right? And there are no decorative stones in the house of God. Right? You are meant to carry some of the weight. That's why you got to go to church. You can't just come in and out of church. You can't just be a spectator. You just can't come and, and sit, enjoy, take. God didn't make you to be a decorative stone in his house, but a legitimate stone bearing the weight. We now are his temple. And when we come together as his house, we come with thanksgiving in our heart. But then the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said that we personally are also the temple of God because when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent his own spirit to come and live with us. Instead of just one Jesus being here with all of us, he has sent his spirit to be with all of us at the same time so that we can follow his commands, so that we can take on his mission and ministry in this world. So now we are the temple of God. So not only when we come together as a church family, do we come with thanksgiving now because I am a temple and you are a temple of the spirit of God. We live with that thanksgiving. And sometimes that is easy. Gratitude just flowing out of me naturally. But how can you be thankful when you don't feel thankful? And that's where the discipline of giving thanks comes from. If you're a parent, uh, you recognize this. A few weeks ago, obviously, it was Halloween. Our four-year-old daughter, Willow, she had just had her fourth birthday, and so she was, she's still learning the trick-or-treat thing. And what I noticed is the first couple of houses that we went to, she was overflowing with gratitude. Could not have given more thanks to the strangers at the front door. But, but with, throughout the night, and by that I mean house number three, <laughs> she, she started to take on this... God created Halloween for me and he has moved all of these pawns in our neighborhood around so that I will get as much candy as I want. And, uh, and that's when I had to remind her, hey, turn around and say thank you. Uh, this, this house does not exist for your sugar enjoyment. Right? Because... Almost as quickly as we naturally give thanks, we take on an attitude of, oh, never mind, I deserve this. Yeah, at first, uh, thank you, thank you. And for some of us, for me, within a split second, no, on second thought, I think this is what the world owes me. And we have a whole book God's inspired word that says it is our father who is constantly giving good gifts to his children. Again, if you're a parent on Christmas Day, what fills your heart with joy? Why do you buy all those presents? It's because your love is overflowing into an expression through a gift of something that your kids really don't deserve. Nobody deserves Christmas. 
But yet we do it out of love. And our father knows how to give good gifts to his children from his own sovereign will. He says, I'm going to give these things to my children. And at the same time he is giving, I'm over here going, no, I think I deserve this. And that's why some of us struggle so much with gratitude. It's because the song that's in our head is not one of thanksgiving. It's, well, finally, I'm getting what I have believed I have always deserved. And we have to crucify that. Everything that we have comes from our Father's hand. And, and as I said, it may be a tough place for you right now. And thanksgiving is not just welling up naturally out of you, but all of us have these three things which should drive us into God's house with thanksgiving. For the Lord is good. You may have nothing else in this world, but you have the goodness of God. His love endures forever and His faithfulness continues through all generations. You know those lists? A couple of places in the Bible where somebody with a weird name beget somebody else with a weird name who beget somebody else with a weird name. When the psalmist says that God's faithfulness continues through all generations, you just picture that list. And, and you are in one of those lists. Somebody begat somebody who begat somebody who begat you. And even more important, we are in a list because somebody believed in the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they shared that with somebody. Who shared it with somebody, 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 who shared it with you. And God's faithfulness continues. As much as some of us would like to believe or have believed that his faithfulness has skipped right over you. It hasn't. And all of us have those three things to drive us into his house. To live constantly with an attitude of thank you, God. Our challenge this Thanksgiving, uh, at some point in the day, I want you to think of me. I assume you're thinking about me all the time. <laughs> I want you to think about this little tree. Uh, on Thursday, when you gather wherever you gather and do whatever you do, do not let this tree out praise you. So God, we say thank you. We say thank you and bless you and worship you and praise you.